Welcome to the Innovation Engine podcast produced by Three Pillar Global. I'm your host, Jennifer Ives. I've spent my career helping organizations digitally transform through developing revenue generating products that customers engage with and love. Now, I'm sitting down with today's innovators, those on the front lines of digital transformation, to learn how they did it and what they've learned. Hello, and welcome to the Innovation Engine podcast. Today, I'm joined by friend and colleague Elizabeth Beller, Three Pillars Senior Vice President of Client Services. We're thrilled to welcome Monica Caldas as our guest today. Monica has spent much of her career creating digital solutions and influencing innovation at one of the world's largest companies, GE. She's helped drive how the transportation industry uses data and digital services to grow revenue in her role as global CIO for GE Transportation. And now she's helping to shape the future of insurance as the executive vice president and chief information officer over global retail markets at Liberty Mutual. Monica, we're thrilled to have you on the Innovation Engine podcast today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. My goodness, we've been wanting to talk to you for a long time, so it's such an honor to have you join us. Let's just jump right in. I would love to get your thoughts and your ideas around what does digital transformation mean to you? It's a phrase that we hear often. It's a phrase that uh, many business leaders and executives use um, to sometimes mean different things. But what does digital transformation mean to you? And how are you putting it into practice when creating digital product innovations to help consumers across the insurance industry in particular? Yeah. Digital transformation is a very hot topic these days. And to me, it's really about removing friction from your process and creating that value differentiation in what you offer to your customers and also to your internal employees, how they work every day. But I feel like digital transformation has gotten an amplification recently. I think the last year and a half has put more attention to it. And I know companies around the world are putting more and more energy into thinking about that. But it's been around for a very long time, that concept. I know, you know I've been working for 20 years in technology, and I really feel like I've been doing digital transformation for 20 years, just the type of work that, that I've been doing. But what I think has changed is I do believe that we're more bold about it. And, and what does that mean? Digital transformation, at least in the variety of work that I've done, encompasses both internal processes as well as products that you offer. And in some ways has been constrained by what technology can do. And technology capabilities are exponentially improving. And as a result, you have the ability to be bolder in how you use technology to service your customers. So I think digital transformation has evolved. And today it's about the process and about improving the products you offer and the services. But now you're able to be bolder. And I can give you an example um, in what we're doing just to make it a little bit real uh, and give a little more context. But you know, today, I was in manufacturing before my current role. And in, in that world, we were talking about digital transformation and the concept of improving your supply chain processes, 
improving how you engineer and how you manufacture the products. And we were connecting all that data and then predicting how we can improve our engines perform better. And in that sense, digital transformation, we called it digital thread, but it was about that whole life cycle. Today, where I am today, we are thinking and talking about that in the context of retail consumer experiences and small business and how do we have digital capabilities for all the different personas, I like to call, whether you're a consumer using the product or an agent that are partnering with us, etc. And we're using the digital transformation concept to remove friction from how we do that. So for example, we're integrating telematics capabilities into our applications. Why does that matter? Because it provides better service for our customers, but it also helps us personalize and customize insurance for our consumers. So we're seeing it today where this power of the technology capabilities is helping us serve and have better products. So all kinds of shades, but I'm super excited about it. And for me, if I had to say one word, I would say it's about friction and removing friction. So I'll give you two words to give you my definition of digital transformation. I love that. Short and concise and definitely to the point. Um, I know that probably Elizabeth has a, a question that she'd like to ask you. There are a couple of things you mentioned in the digital transformation piece that are, are something that she and I discuss quite a bit. Elizabeth. Well, I, so I actually would like to hear more, a, a little bit more about your um, your experience with telematics. I, I think it's great you mentioned that as a bold bet because I, I do believe that that it really truly is a, a bold bet in the insurance space and there's a lot of conversation about it. What would you say were some of the challenges you had in implementing telematics and, and, and where were there possibly some areas where, where it was easier than you thought to, to actually get that done? Yeah, well... Uh, if you think about the concept of telematics, uh, which is collecting and transmitting data on the vehicle, and then you're using it for maintenance requirements and servicing, you know, uh, before I came to my current role, I was in manufacturing and we were doing telematics, but on big engines, <laughs> on locomotives and trains, right? And so I've been in that world for quite some time. And before that, I was in financial services and fleet management. And we were using telematics there as well. So I've been in that in that world with different flavors of it, but I understand the power of having that data to make a better experience. So with fleet management, you know, back in the day, we were looking at telematics to help the drivers understand where they can get better um, mileage, and we were looking at it from the servicing angle. Um, in in the locomotive world, we were looking at telematics type of data to improve how we were servicing the engine, but also how we were building the engines. So that digital thread concept. Um, in our world today, we're using telematics to personalize products for our customers. And so offering the consumer, a, and I don't know if you've seen some of the products we have, but pay for what you use, right? Mm -hmm. Some of those concepts. And so how do we personalize that experience? And all of that comes back to having that data to better understand the habits and how consumers want to use those products, their vehicle, and then using that to say, okay, well, now we know more, we can customize what we're selling and make the, the products more unique and, and more personalized. So that's how we're using it today. But I've seen different flavors of how telematics can be used. And I think 
ultimately comes back to the data and using that data to make a better experience and better product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So shifting gears a little bit, um, I think a lot of people tend to think that insurance is something that you set and forget um, until the point where you need it. Can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you guys are doing to build stronger customer relationships and improve their ongoing experience throughout their engagement with you? Sure. Yes. And I can see that. I know before I joined the insurance industry about three years ago, I kind of thought the same, right? Um, That you just set it and forget it and hopefully you don't even need it. (laughs) But I I joined because I'm super energized, at least about our company and our aspirations. And we're trying to personalize and customize insurance, really make it a better product for the customers and also the tools and capabilities for our partners, whether you're an agent or whether you're an internal um, employee. So I think that we're trying to create more value and change the dynamics of only buying it when you need it. It's you know kind of a thing you need, but you don't really want to use and therefore your experience isn't great. So we're trying to change that. One of the things we're doing, and I think it's super exciting, is we're also educating consumers on how they can best think about insurance. And so something that I think is pretty cool is, I don't know if you have an Amazon Echo or an Echo Dot, but you can actually turn on a capability there, a skill, and it is a personal insurance advisor. And you can say things like, hey, Alexa, open the insurance advisor. And we've been introduced that insurance advisor skill to Alexa to help people make and understand complex insurance terms. So, and we're making it easier, right? Back to my point about removing friction. You don't have to sit on your app and and do a query and search. You can just speak to it and whatever you're doing at home and have that conversation and ask different questions around what is total loss? Uh, what type of insurance uh, does Safeco offer? Or, or I'd like to find an agent in my neighborhood, things like that. So I think that's exciting. It's changing how consumers engage with insurance. And I think that goes back to our aspiration of personalizing and customizing it. But there's also other capabilities. I talked about we're also making it easier for our internal employees to use our tools and technology, you know, just kind of putting my CIO hat back on and how do I make the internal employees uh, experience better as well. And I'm a big believer of reusability and, and my scope is global. So I'm always thinking about global capabilities and how do you make sure that you are reusing that around the world the best way possible. So I'm really proud of a platform we call it quantum because uh, we're in tech and we like to use all the terms. But and essentially, it's all about enabling rapid creation and deployment of insurance products without needing a lot of IT intervention, but still using a lot of the subject matter expertise in terms of underwriting and quoting and proposal generation. And so we've reused, um, we've created reusable components. And more importantly, we've streamlined the process. And I'm very proud of the team because we improved the time to market um, by by two to six times while reducing the cost. So creating that speed, which then kind of coming full circle to the customer, right? Because that's what we're here for, which is giving customers what they need when they need it and personalizing that experience. So, you know, back to your question about 
setting it and forgetting it. We're trying to change that dynamic and making it more interesting, but also more useful and um, more front and center. As we carry into the next question, the idea of quantum and speed and some of the innovations that you're bringing into into the insurance uh, industry, with customers kind of accessing services online, what are some services and systems that you've put into place to help meet that need? And in particular, this has to do with the speed and using technology and innovations. Can you share a little bit about how you're leveraging artificial intelligence? Yeah, definitely. I think having the right information, having it quickly gets our customers the peace of mind they need the fastest way possible. So we think about that and we think, how do we use AI? And all the different capabilities, now they're all in different levels of maturity. And what is really important for people to think about, especially in the context of digital transformation, you can't just go out and do random AI tests without understanding how you will operationalize, meaning how you will connect it back to your process. So I always go back to all these capabilities are potentially step six of the equation, where step one through five is around improving how your internal process and how you're able to actually then consume AI capabilities in the context of your question. And we're definitely um, doing and investing a lot in AI. I can give you an example that speaks directly to giving our customers information they need as quickly as possible. That's our intent. And we're using AI and natural language processing. And um, we're trying to make the consumer and the agent experience better. So not only do we want to have these platforms, but we're also helping our internal call center agents and associates be a little bit, have more capacity. So how do we do that? We've augmented all this with um, chatbot technologies and then the AI-driven predictions to understand what could possibly customers want quickly when they call in to a call center and how do we use the chatbot in connection with AI capabilities to both predict it, but also give a quick answer. So for example, today you have a scenario where you have an accident, your, your vehicle's out of service and you need to get into a rental. And now you're in a rental and you're wondering, well, how many days do I have left in my rental? And you can go on an app and figure that out. You can, but some people just prefer a call. So they call in and you can wait in a queue for that, or a chatbot can predict based on where your information is, meaning you have a claim, your car's in the shop, and based on that, the AI engine can say, okay, these are the types of questions that this particular customer may be wanting to know and know quickly. And so based on a set of chatbot experiences, we can predict that and kind of align those questions to when a customer calls. And so when you call in, you can say, I'm looking for information and we can quickly serve that up to you without having you sit in a queue. And that's just one example. But I think the power of AI is, again, removing friction from our everyday lives. For us, it's about how do we make our customers experience better, our agents experience better, and also our internal employees experience better. And I think there's so many different capabilities that are emerging and we're doing a lot of tests. This is a set of tests that we've already proved out and are in production, as we like to say. So we're very proud of the progress. There's so much more though, um, as as you know, in speaking to, to other leaders in technology, 
this is definitely an area that I'm excited about. I think, um, you know, when chatbots first came out, they were really clunky and, and yeah. not really didn't, you know, accomplish what they were trying to do. I think they, they probably increased frustration instead of decreasing it for a lot of people. Um, but the in advancements in natural language processing really just in the last one to two years, I think, have really changed the game for the ability to use chatbots and use them effectively. Do you have any advice for a company that's just kind of embarking on that journey of implementing chatbots? Yes, I would say a couple things. I think it's super easy to get excited about technology and to just want to go get it and turn it on. And what, what is important is to understand how to build that equation so you can maximize your value creation. And ultimately, that's what excites me about technology. It's the power of tech to enable problem solving at its finest, I like to say. So my advice would be really understand what problem you're solving first and foremost, prioritize it, and then go back to your process and understand what in your process you already have that can easily connect to this capability or any other capability by that matter. And what obstacles are in the way that will make that capability be its most efficient use and really streamline the process before you just go turning things on. And, mm -hmm. and so I, I think I mentioned earlier, I always look at it as step one through 10 and the technology implementation starts perhaps at step six, um, maybe earlier, depending on what we're trying to do but it's never just step one. And so step one is really looking at the process and the problem, making sure you have all of those pieces in place, like a puzzle, and then connecting your technology to it. So I always look at these as equations that you have to thread very carefully. Um, so I would use that as, you know, back to your question on advice on using chatbots. I think that's applicable to anything, but really understand the problem, understand your process, and then connect the right, application to it, whether it's in a chatbot technology or, or other things. I think that's great advice. I see a lot of people throwing technology at problems without really truly understanding the problem first. So that's, that's, um, that's great. And, and what I love about that is that a few years ago, even up until six months ago, I don't know that enough technology leaders and business leaders were having that conversation. And now in the last 18 months, We've seen, and I think the three of us have seen that that question is being asked more and more. So I love that you brought that up, Monica, because the more leaders across whatever industry here solve the problem, for, get to the core of what is the problem that you're trying to solve. And like you said, on that scale of or the steps of one to 10, that technology is really, in your view, number six. I couldn't agree more. What is the problem you're trying to solve? And then pull through the technology a few steps later. Um, so thank you for spending some time on that. That's It's a really important message and a, a really big conversation in the world of in, in, in leadership today. So thank you. And I would just add one more thing, which I always try to make sure that the executive t uh, partners that I have, that I'm working with, regardless of the industry, also have a strong digital IQ so that they can appreciate and understand the problem-solving process. And so having that core vocabulary that's shared across various layers of the organization is really important. And I think in the last year, we've all been forced into that dialogue more as people are working remotely 
and have to rely on technology and have to use tools that perhaps they didn't have to rely on as much. I think people are becoming more open to the dialogue and digital IQ component, which sets you up for success in terms of solving the problem right the first time. Yeah, that's great. So I think this next question might sound a little funny given the uh, conversation we just had, but my question is, are there, do you see new technologies that would, could change the way that people interact with their insurance providers? But let's assume that you've already figured out that yes, there's a problem to be solved and you're not just throwing technology at a problem, but are there some things that you're really excited about that you see coming down the, uh, down the pike? Yeah, uh, I am super and have been super excited about artificial intelligence capabilities. And and that's a very wide net to cast. (laughs) But I would say that um, it's and it applies to every industry. But coming from manufacturing where I've been we've been leveraging sensors for some time, right, and capturing that data to then predict and model out better Uh, not only locomotives, but also services and maintenance. I see that penetration now increasing in consumer devices. And for us, it's, you know, cars and and homes and commercial property. So the combination of artificial intelligence capabilities and the power of that engine, along with the increased data that we're capturing from sensors, from all these devices, I think it's a, a nice arrangement and for me, I really look at the world in equations. And so I think about that equation becoming exponentially stronger so that we can then offer better problem solving, better services, you know, fill in the blank. And so for me, I, I really lean into that. And, and I know that we're doing a lot of investment in innovation. And I always look at how can we test some bets because a lot of these are hypotheses that you have to put some problem statements and then think about, well, what could be the way that we could solve this? And using AI to help test our assumptions and then see where they land as we apply the technology to the problem statement. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. I can give you an example of, of something my team just did. And this comes... It was just deployed about three months ago in our India market, and we were looking at automating the vehicle inspection process. It was just very tedious, and in that market, you need it for renewals and claims assessments. And what we're doing is the customer captures a photo of their car, they upload it in our app, and then we partner with an AI-based technology uh, group to do an automated inspection. So now we're saving time. We're saving time because of the customer, because we can help in the claims or the renewal process. We're also saving time internally. And now you could argue and say, now photo captures been used in the last five years. That's not necessarily a new thing. And it's true. But the power of AI, and this is why I'm excited about AI, is that we now have these algorithms which are trained on image classification. And they're able to help us identify, you know, in the, in the, in the case of, a, of an auto accident, they're able to help us identify the damage with a greater level of accuracy. And back to why are we here? We're here to give our customers peace of mind and help them get back to where they need to get. That helps me serve the customer faster, more efficiently. And if AI in this case is helping us get a greater level of accuracy, which 
creates that full loop, um, that thread, and puts you know the customer um, back to where they need to go quicker. So I am excited about AI for many reasons, and that one just being an example. Yeah, people have been talking about AI for so long, but it finally feels like it's real and that it's actually useful. So uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what what particularly in the insurance space, what companies are able to do with it. I think people outside of the insurance industry don't really understand how 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 much um, the insurance space has been able to leverage some of these technologies, things like chatbots and AI in general. And so it'll be interesting to see what other industries can pick up and learn from you. So the world of technology continues to be a predominantly male-dominated field, and women are making great strides, no doubt. And as a successful chief information officer, what advice do you have for women looking to enter the field? And what are some of the most valuable lessons that you've learned in being a leader in the industry? Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say is if you know you're thinking about technology and you're listening to this and you're in high school or college, you're not sure, just do it. <laughs> we need more women. <laughs> and there's so much research out there, right? I think the last one I said I saw published last year was 20% of, of women are in CIO roles in the US and Corn Ferry did some research too. They analyzed the top 1,000 US companies by revenue and they determined the representation was low, right? Women hold less than one in five CIO jobs. So there's definitely more room to improve. In terms of lessons, there's probably three that I would share that I try to keep um, top of mind for myself. The first is you have to be active and bold in your career. You've got to be engaged in your career and create your own roadmap. You cannot be waiting for someone to take you by the hand and say, you're going to go do this next. And after that, you're going to do that. For many reasons. One is you never know what doors may open uh, that you weren't thinking about. So you don't want to be too prescriptive. But at the same time, you want to have a sense of where you're headed. And so I would say be active and be bold in managing your career path. And if you're not sure where to go, then you have to seek out people that can help you get a better understanding of what's possible so that you can then also put the building blocks in place. So that would be the first one. The second one is have a board of advisors. And, and what does that mean? It's really, I think it falls into two buckets. One is have people that can be mentors. They can give you feedback and coaching. Uh, but then there's another group, which is sponsors. And these are the people that support your brand and represent you. I always say they represent you when you're not in the room. And maybe they're having a conversation. They could say, hey, did you ever think about Monica for this role? And someone might say, no, why? And they would say, well, because. And here are some things that you should think about. So the sponsors. So have a board of advisors. And then the third piece is, I always say, understand the shadow that you cast, meaning be aware and listen uh, of how you show up. Because unfortunately, perception is reality to many. So you have to be open to feedback and understand and ask questions about how you show up. Are you showing up motivated, inspired to do the job? And, and those do open doors for you or don't. And so you have to be understand, understanding of how you show up. And, and the way I always think about it is a shadow that you cast. You may not be aware of it, but it's there. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. So helpful. 
We are going to ask you a round of questions we call speed round. We ask these questions of all of our guests and uh, they're fun. They get to a little bit about who you are and, and how you view the world of technology. So the first question is, what was your first interaction and earliest memory with technology? Mm. Well, uh, it was a Apple computer. And at the time, and maybe this starts to date me, but at the time I was writing my papers on a typewriter <laughs> and uh, made a mistake and I have to go back and do that whole thing again. And I remember we, don't, we didn't have a lot of resources um, the way I grew up. So it was a really big deal for my parents to save all their money to get me this Apple computer. I was so excited about it. And I said, the first thing I'm going to do is write my paper on it. And it was so much faster. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it it was I was intrigued in the sense of using technology to solve problems faster, and that's what got me hooked on tech in in it of itself. And so I went off to college in pursuit of studying technology to solve problems, and and that was really what excited me about it. Um, and then uh, when I graduated, I joined General Electric's technology leadership program whose mission was just that. And so I, I felt very, um, I guess, lucky in a way that I was able to find a company and a job that really matched what I was trying to do and what I was passionate about. But definitely my earliest memory. I can even picture myself sitting there with this computer so excited <laughs> and having a homework assignment and getting really jazzed about not having to use that typewriter. <laughs> Absolutely. Should I ask you what your favorite piece of technology is? It might still be that Apple computer. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, today I moved on. <laughs> I am excited about today. Uh, I love my wearables, as I would say, and only because I, I love data. <laughs> and so those two kind of go together. And I, I track everything, you know, how many hours did I sleep? What kind of sleep quality did I get? How many steps did I do? Uh, what was the breathing exercise? I mean, it's my wearables. Uh, I, I, would, uh, I would wear more tech to track more things. I'm fascinated by tracking all the data. And, you know, my kids, uh, I have two small children and they have some wearables and we get excited and looking in the app and I say, look at the data. Let's understand our patterns. <laughs> so, um, so that would be, that's what gets me excited today. It's, I guess maybe the, the data is really the driving force. That's probably where my passion is with the wearables, but I, I think those are fun. So how bad was it really when you moved into the pandemic? Was there this incredible drop off? Yeah, um, it was, especially because being in technology, we were kind of the first at the scene and making sure that people got to be able to work from home. And I have a global team. So I started dealing and navigating that with my teams in China and Asia. And so I felt like it was uh, glued to my desk, not moving. And so my, but I, I like to say that I was watching my data and said, okay, we've got to make a change. So that's the good news about you know, watching your data, you have like a self-awareness forcing mechanism. And so my dog got a lot of exercise as a result, a lot of dog walking, you know, first thing in the morning at the end of the day, it was very good. So other than uh, something like email or Slack or your camera, what, what's your, um, what's the most used app on your phone? Definitely Instagram. But I use it because I love to follow 
health, motivation, inspirational profiles. I really look at it as, you know, a way to, um, I always say like your brain's like a garden where you have to water it and fertilize it and give it sunshine and, and continue to learn and grow. And so I, I love Instagram for that reason. And my current favorite is definitely Adam Grant, who's an organizational psychologist. His book, Think Again, is one of my favorites uh, that I read this spring. So uh, I, I do use Instagram often. All right. Last question. When you are talking with other leaders or even with people that, who are just starting out in their careers, what is one piece of advice that you often give them? Don't be anyone else. Be adaptable because you have to be fluid with the different dynamics that you will find yourself in, right? Whether you're in a meeting in Dubai or whether you're operating in a conference room in Seattle, you have to be adaptable, but always be yourself, be uh, authentic. And, um, you know, as you grow as a leader and regardless of where, where you are and what phase and stage of your career, I always look to observe leaders that model the behaviors that complement my own and my own personal principles and, and values, right? Because I always think that leadership is a muscle that you're always improving and getting better. So you never stop. You always have to have that continuous growth muscle. So when I am giving advice, I, I always say, you know, be yourself, but also be looking at role models and looking at augmenting your style and growing your style and adapting to the circumstance you're in and and growing yourself. But you got to be authentic. Monica, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been such an honor and it's been a real pleasure asking you some questions, hearing your thoughts, not only about AI, but also about authenticity as a, as a leader. Really appreciate you being with us today. Likewise, thank you for the opportunity and the invitation. This was a lot of fun, so thank you. This has been an episode of The Innovation Engine, a podcast from Three Pillar Global. If you have questions, comments, or guest suggestions, email us at info at threepillarglobal.com.